0: Have you ever read a book and thought to yourself, I could explain this to someone else, but maybe there's a few things that I want explained back to me. I'll be sitting down with authors, thought leaders, visionaries. I'm your host, Josh Lipstone. This is Explain This Book to Me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Josh Lipstone, and today is the fifth episode in our limited series called Explain This Book to Me. I'm joined once again by my guest, Jason Cass, who is the author of the book, Customer Services Just Foreplay, The Modern Customer Experience Will Separate You from Your Competition. I'm excited to have you back and looking forward to another great episode.
1: Yeah, me too, man. Appreciate this. Once again, I think that this, this is a huge value to the listeners and thank you for taking your time to do this. And I'm also excited about this being. Um, I, once again, we're doing this before it's going out, but I imagine by this time there's probably a lot of good feedback about this new t- podcast that you're doing, Josh. And, and I'm happy and proud as can be to bring you and your podcast to the loyal listeners. It's awesome.
0: Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, today we're going to be starting on section two of the book, which goes through that great infographic that you put together. And for any loyal listeners that would like this graphic please feel free to email Jason at Jason at agency intelligence.com. I hope that's okay with you, Jason. I didn't tell you we were going to hope so,
1: or we're going to have to have the editor take it out. No, that's exactly, fine.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Put you on the spot there. All right. So we're going to be covering chapters nine through 11, which is going to take us halfway through section two. And then in our next episode, we'll finish up the final three chapters. And for those of you keeping score at home, We're recording this episode on Wednesday, June 10th, 2020. So, Jason, before we get started, let me ask you a quick question. Do you have any loyal listeners who email you about an episode that you recorded three, four, five years ago?
1: Do I? To this day, yes. Um, Yes, I'm not going to say a handful a year, but yes.
0: yes. Okay, okay. What's that like when you get an email from someone that had a you know, listen to one from five years ago.
1: It's not because they agree with me. It's their way of pointing out that I was wrong. Uh, it, this is so crazy that you say this. But yeah, um, they, they will try to point out that, hey, I thought you said this or hey, you thought I thought you said that. What's funny is, is I was having this conversation with Daniel Burris about a year ago. Um, and Daniel Burris is a huge futurist. If you guys don't know, check him out. I mean, Dude is a uh, head consultant to the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the United States military. He's $100,000 to have come speak at your event. He's he's awesome. And he tells me he gets the same thing. He said, try being a futurist. He's like, I could be right about everything that's so important in the world, but the stupidest things that I may have just said off a whim, those are the ones that people hold me to. And I remember that ever since he told me that. And it's true.
0: Hater's going to hate. The hater's going to hate.
1: Hey, that's cool, though. I like when people call me on that. It
0: Also, what it does is it corrects my thinking for future use, so I like it. That's true. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into Chapter 9, Qualifying, Transforming the Traditional Sales Funnel. And you start off describing, for the majority of insurance agents, what is their personal nightmare. The thought of picking up that phone, cold calling, which for me is one of my personal nightmares, which is why the guidance in this book was really helpful to me and my agency. And what I love about this chapter are the two graphics that show the sales funnel. So in the first one, you show the traditional model, which is like a cone shape. Um, It just basically gradually goes down and evenly. And then the second one shows the modern customer experience. You have the same size at the top, so the same amount can go in. But after the first layer, um, it just drastically shrinks down. So at the top, we have making contact which again, same size for both funnels. Next, we have setting the appointment. And again, this is where things drastically change. After that, we have the quoting stage, um, which again, there's gonna be a difference in size there uh, because in the traditional model, this is where most agents are gonna qualify. And to me, what I love about this and how you're qualifying here versus in the modern customer experience where you're qualifying At the top is that with the modern customer experience, you as the agent are the one that's actually qualifying the prospect. Mm -hmm. In the traditional model, it's the insurance company that's qualifying them because you're in the quoting stage. So you go there, you put the information in, and it's either going to say yes or no, or you talk to your underwriter and they're going to say yes or no. So you're not really in control using the traditional model because it's not you making the decision. So you as an agent, you're going to be spending a significantly less amount of time working with uh, prospects who are actually more profitable for you using the modern customer experience versus the traditional model. So can you give a 30 second, which in Mm -hmm. CASA's world is five minutes or more, a comparison of these two models uh, between the traditional sales funnel, and the modern customer experience, sales funnel.
1: Yes, I can. Keep in mind when you're trying to picture this, a funnel is like any funnel that anybody knows or that anybody uses. Um, think of the second one that you're talking about there, Josh, and the loyal listeners when you're picturing this. Picture a martini glass. People are, are more sophisticated or that drink martinis. I don't know if that's true, but let's just say that it is. Okay. So that 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 was what we were going for when we were writing this book. We actually contemplated cool behind the scenes stuff. We actually contemplated making the first funnel just not a regular funnel. We were going to make it like a beer mug. So like because that's how we do, we throw a bunch of shit in there and then we throw it all up against the wall and try to hope something sticks, right? And 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 we knew from the beginning. Now what's so amazing here Josh is that I, five years later, I have taken this specific thing here and have amplified it a thousand times in my agency. Seriously, I really have. And the reason is, is making contact is so important up front. And that's what I teach my producers. It doesn't really matter where you do it. We even break down the cost savings that you get in here and why one way would be more the profitable than the other. I'm not going to go through that, but we actually lay out real life examples. But you are correct here, what I want to talk about in this is understanding why this is even more important than it was then. We live in a world where we need to start qualifying people before we do it. I see posts on Facebook and they'll tell me about this person they're quoting and the way that it turned out and the way this person said. And my first question is, is how did that person even get into the quoting stage? How how did that person get through that filter? Right. Because most people don't have a filter. So let's talk. Why do they not have a filter? Because they're lazy. They're lazy and they don't want to prospect. Every problem we have in this business goes back to prospecting. I promise you it goes back to prospecting. And this is one of those areas. If I can just sit and let the stuff come in the door and I quote whatever it is, well, then I'll just take my chances and write 30% of them. That's qualifying later, right? It's qualifying, as you said, which I actually did not say that in the book. And you put it very well, Josh. That's where the company decides whether or not. And I had really never put two and two together. Maybe I did put that in there and I just don't remember it. But, but I, I, re, I that's a very good way of saying it where we need to decide, well, why don't we want to decide? Because that means we have to prospect more to find those ones that we want. So therefore it's easier. A lot of captives have become independents because they sat inside a state farm office. They got 10 leads that come in and they could only write two. And they sat there and then told themselves, why am I produ- Why am I prospecting so much to only write two out of 10? Why don't I become an independent insurance agent and I could write all 10? What they don't understand is that is a spiral for demise and stress, is what it is, especially in today's world. You used to be able to do it, you can't. So this is really, really vital when we're looking at the prospecting of what we're trying to do. Not only is it more efficient, but it's actually going to save you a lot of time. It just requires a little more work.
0: Well, you kind of took the the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was the qualifying Sorry. process in 2020, which is great. Um, because, yeah, the focus of your agency is definitely qualifying first. And, mm-hmm. and even for those, because a lot of the things in the book and a lot of the things that you may talk about on the podcast are related to commercial lines. But mm-hmm. for those who focus on personal lines, you can do this as well. Mm-hmm. It may just be a quicker process than what a commercial lines agency is going to go through. But you could spend two to four minutes on the phone with a personal lines prospect qualify them and save yourself an hour to two hours of just being a a data entry person and having no shot whatsoever of closing the deal. True, buddy. Um, So one of the things that agents and especially agency owners need to think about is how to target specific classes of business and commercial lines and what types of personal lines clients that they want to write. Because as you outline the book, when you target and let's say restaurants, you can build a process. That's going to reduce the amount of time it takes to process the amount of people who you meet with, the cost to acquire those clients, and you end up being more profitable. And if you have automated that process now, the automation process of actually putting it together, that may take you 60 to 100 hours, which sounds like a lot, but it's going to pay dividends. So the Mm -hmm. loyal listeners need to take the time to build that out so that they aren't wasting their time at a future date. So one thing that I want the loyal listeners to keep in mind is something that my father says often in our agency, which is just because someone fogs a mirror doesn't mean they're a fit for our agency because I want people to remember that your time is valuable. Your knowledge is valuable. And if you can give, continue to give it away to people, then you just cheapen yourself and it's good for no one. That's right. Now let's talk about the next thing in the book, which is your USP, your unique selling proposition, or what some people call an elevator speech, which I don't know if anyone has actually ever used that in an elevator. That would be extremely creepy. Um, So I'm going to put you on the spot, Jason, and I want to hear your USP, how you deliver to a prospect or really anyone that's kind of willing to listen. What is that for you and your agency?
1: okay so let me let me let me preface this here so we have two different types of commercial sales i believe this people don't but that's okay they're lying to you we have small business sales and then we have everything else small business sales is a lot different than the everything else when i talk about everything else i'm talking about when i talk about small business sales i'm saying 10 15 20,000 in premium and below okay understand though that two or three truck uh hvac place is no different really than a 10 truck HVAC place, which is very uh, obviously a little bit more premium, but what I want, what this is, this is really important to know when I'm saying this, because if I'm going to call somebody, I have a five step USP that we're going to use, and this is normally for smaller commercial. And the reason is, is because I have a specific, very detailed plan. Of how I go after my whales. Okay. Very, very specific and it works. So that's just the way that it is. But on the USP, what mine is, is, Hey, I'm, my name's Jason Cass. First of all, I always call and ask who I can speak to. I can speak with the person who is in charge of the workers' compensation. Now this is, this is a little free t- uh, tidbits there. And the reason why I do that is, is because I, I want to. that usually the gatekeeper, Thinks to themselves, "Oh, this person's calling about workers' comp. Something must be wrong, or somebody must have gotten hurt." So they're more likely to pass you through. Okay, but my USP that I put in the book um, is is similar to. Now I haven't looked at it in a while, but I do train agents. Is hey, I'm Jason Cass, and I um, I help people with non-for-profits, specifically senior centers. And I know it's a very tough thing for you to find like directors and officers officers insurance, and maybe your events that you have and canceling them. Uh, there's different things like that. I've actually even seen where we are, um, where they are reporting the donations that come through actually as sales and that sometimes can make your price more. But I'll tell you what, I have a program for you, but here's the problem, not everybody fits into that program. So I'd like to have 20 minutes of your time and see if there's any way that we can meet and see if you qualify uh, for what I can offer. Uh, uh, When's a good time for us to meet, afternoon or morning? Now, I don't say that all, no, I did that for you guys. But what happens is is that I just did five steps in my head. And one of those steps, step one, could maybe be installed later in the in the in the call as opposed to step four is the first thing I talk about. It's all about the flow that I'm getting from the client when I'm on the phone. Um, Another little secret is that I learned this from fanatical prospecting is the reason why we don't like to cold call. And the reason why we don't start the call anyways is because we are the most polite you are in life, the less likely you are to cold call. And the reason is, is it doesn't mean you're mean, it just you're okay with interrupting somebody. That is something that we've been taught from time. We were very little. Don't interrupt them. Don't do that. So we feel as if we're interrupting somebody. Somebody will say to me, Jason, that's bullshit. I just don't like to cold call. I'll call bullshit on you. Go to one of your clients. Open up your AMS right now. Find one that you have their auto and not their home. Pick up the phone and try and cross sell them for their home right now. You won't do it. The reason is, even though it's your client and they already do business with you, you feel as if you're interrupting them. So it has nothing to do with the fact they don't know who you are because you just proved to yourself that they do know who you are. So these are the little things that you have to do to get past those. And the number one thing that you can do, and the cast, I need to close. This is a call I get a lot. Cast, I need to close. What do I do, man? I'm getting all the way to the end of blah, 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 blah. And then they say this, blah, 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 and then they say this. Here's the answer to that. You need to find out the agent relationship up front and be ready to walk away. That's as simple as it truthfully is. You have to do that. And I'm going to end with this, Josh. The questions that are that you don't that you need answers to, Mr. or Mrs. agent are going to be answered You get to choose when you're going to answer, when they're going to answer them at the beginning or the end. And what are those questions or what are those things you hear at the end? Oh, well, let me get back to my other agent because him and I play golf on Wednesday. Did you ask that up front? Because you would have found out, you know, oh, I'll tell you what, we love the Hartford insurance and we don't trust anybody else other than them. So appreciate you bringing in West Bend, but that's not for us. Well, did you ask if that was important? Did you ask what any of the pain points were? Did you find out that they really weren't going after a cheap premium? They were looking for a better coverage? Why am I saying all this in the sales process? Because this is the prospecting process. This is that martini glass. Okay. That's why we're trying to get the 20 minute meeting. Everybody always asks me, Jason, do you really do a 20-minute meeting and then come back? The larger the account, yes. The smaller the account, you're in front of the business owner. They're like, hey, you're here now. We're rolling. Okay, but that doesn't mean that you still can't have your first 20 minutes where you are trying to qualify that person. Do they fit in my niche? Do they have a need? When's their effective date? What's the agent relationship? Sorry, done. But yes, that looks completely different though than when I'm going after whales. Completely different, night and day premium finance is not something we do a lot of at our agency and one of the things i hated was is i always had to collect the 25 percent down and then you have maybe your policy fee in there and then you go collect the check and you've got to split it all out and you got to send some to the broker and then you got to send some to the agency company i mean it's just there's a lot going on out there you may say that's not how we do it i understand because there's a lot of different ways to do it Here's what I do now. I get the premium finance agreement. I get it signed electronically. I take the 25% and I put it in my trust fund, and we're done. Imperial comes in, takes it out, separates it all, and sends it to every place it needs to go. So it's done right, and it's done efficient the first time. Check them out at IPFS.com. Imperial Premium Finance Specialist. Check them out. Tell them Cass sent you.
0: Well, at some point, we were going to have to go over that mm-hmm. uh, or have you do that yeah. um, or maybe have David come on uh, yeah. unless you have already done done that. Um, well, good stuff. And, and I think it's very important that the loyal listener remembers that what you just talked about um, with your USP that, like you said, it's not something that you just, you know, spout out all at once, that it's built in to the process and it's not just – let me tell you everything. And instead of using your ears to listen, you use your mouth to listen. So um, let's move on to, I think one of my favorite stories that you tell in this book uh, about a success that you had early on. I forgot about this. And yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so uh, for those of you, um, it's about a gentleman in Oklahoma that read a Facebook post that Jason had made. And two years later, he ends up writing a $16,000 revenue account. So I know you've told the loyal listeners in a couple es- episodes ago about how you had a recent success following the killing commercial method, which is from our good friend that we just mentioned of the podcast, David Cruthers. But let's talk about this first. I don't know if it's your first big success, but it's the first one that I remember. Can you revisit this one and tell the loyal yeah. listeners about
1: it? Yeah, this is really cool because I don't know if I've ever told this to the loyal listeners. And if I have, it was a long time ago. Um, but in March 11, 2011, you can look it up if you want or you don't have to. It's basically, I'll tell you what it is. It was the greatest disaster that I think Japan's ever had with earthquake, tsunami, nuclear explosion. I mean, think of that. Look Think of that. Earthquake, tsunami. Nuclear explosion. I mean, for real, right? I mean, wow. I think they
0: turned it into a movie. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, when you really think
1: about that, looking back, like, holy crap, you know? So, anyway... So this was a tremendous thing, and 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 I was sitting there watching TV in the morning, and I'm feeling for these people, and I'm going, oh my gosh, and I'm watching these nuclear reactors explode, and I thought to myself, I'm thinking about earthquake insurance in Southern Illinois. Earthquake is a big deal, and so I thought to myself, I'm keep in mind, I've only had my agency like a little over a year. I'm trying to do everything I can to get to. Get, I'm, I'm broke at this point in time, trying to make it on my own. Now, I'm on a, on a I'm on a non compete from my other agency. Okay, so. I think to myself, you know what, I bet you most people don't realize if an earthquake happened here that they have a deductible. It's usually 10, 15 or 20% of coverage A. I said, I bet you they don't know that. So I sit down. I write this blog. I go to Travelers. I copy all their stuff on Earthquake, post it in there, put their put their uh, logo in here. This is 2011. Most of us are not even writing blogs or understand what blogs are. Ryan Hanley's my buddy. So I have an inside scoop. He's showing me how to do this. So I put all this stuff together. I, I, I put it out on Facebook, throw it out there on an ad, this is back when Reach where it, you made a post, everybody saw it. I know that's hard yes. to believe, but that's actually happened at one time. And so, so everybody would see it. And, um, I basically, that's it. That's basically it. That happened in 2011. I made that ad then. Okay. I had so many people click on that ad, Josh. It was ridiculous. I want to tell you another fact. When I took the ad down to just do a little, uh, little, uh, test as I always am in life, I went and ran that, uh, that ad same ad with the same blog in September of that year. And I got like one or two people that clicked on it because there wasn't an earthquake at that time, which is something that taught me early on with social and digital marketing that what everybody else is talking about is where I need to be in that conversation, just not pushing insurance, but somehow educating them so that I could corral them and then sell them at a later time. And, And so that's what we did. Well, long story short, fast forward now to I don't know how much longer it was a year or two later i think maybe even two two or three years later this gentleman who is in oklahoma Calls me because he read my blog from two years ago. You okay, mm-hmm. so that he's reading this, he's like, "Hey, dude, you need to come talk to me about my insurance and all of this." I, I, I'm really not going to do it um, because he's in Oklahoma City. I don't even write there. So I said to him, "I said, hey, I've got some friends down in Oklahoma, and Texas. Send me all your declaration pages. I'll hook you up with the person who needs to go." He sends it to me, and I can't remember. It's 120, or it says in the book somewhere. Yep, 120, 120 thousand dollars in premium. And 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 it's huge with my agency fee. It's a huge account. I get in the call. I'm like, holy crap. So what do you think as agents I did when I first received that? You go get licensed in Oklahoma and Texas. That's what I did. And then I flew to Oklahoma City, met this guy, went and got invited to their Christmas party. Went to his Christmas party. Um, or did the deal. And, uh, and they are not clients of ours today because in 2018, they sold um, to a corporation down in Houston. So And that was a huge account, like 10, 15 million in premium. So I wasn't going to touch that. But that's a true life story of how something happened. And I won't go into it too long, but I actually also Dwight Hempner, who is our buddy out of Manitoba, Canada, I did some Facebook ads. He happened to comment on it. A guy by the name of Brian, who eventually was drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks and played on their hockey team, actually called me and got insurance with Allstate for six, seven months because Allstate was the only company that would write him without having prior insurance and having a prior driver's license of of, of the United States. True story. Wow. Ended up ended up making that connection and writing that account. Had it for like six, seven until he got traded away to some triple uh, triple A AAA team and then came back to the Blackhawks. This is the kind of stuff that was happening in 2011, 2012, and I was doing it by by prospecting. Today, that stuff is done like on steroids. That's it's completely different how it's done today, um, and you've got people out there that are really, really good at it.
0: Yeah. And we're going to be talking about those people in just a oh, little yeah, bit. A good so, point. Yeah. So let's go ahead and move on to chapter 10, which is lead generation with little time and resources. So to me, this chapter is full of so much gold. Um, it almost requires its own separate episode. But again, we may say that for another day. <laughs> so you're going to start off talking in this chapter about Ooh. the beginning of the 1800s wow. and how you had salespeople loyal listeners you can't see it but jason's getting excited yeah i can't
1: forget excited. about the stories yeah,
0: yeah great. I know. all right so we're in the early 1800s and salespeople they're going door to door and they're extremely successful they have a low cost but they have a limited audience then telephone was invented expanded the prospect tool led to creation of the phrase dialing for dollars which. I don't know about you, but anytime I think of the phrase dialing for dollars, I just picture the 1980s. Sure. I just picture the 1980s You're right? Like boiler room or something like yeah. that. So this, this led to an increased volume, closing ratios did decrease, expenses went up fast forward today, what 200 plus years later, and we are basically returning to door to door sales. We're just doing it differently with digital marketing. And it's interesting that we have these cycles where things go out of style, they come back in, and this is what we have now. So then we would go on, and you talk about two ways in how to generate leads, which are organic leads, paid leads. You do throw in another one, um, which we're going to focus on a little bit too. Um, but let's go ahead and start off with organic leads. So the first thing is SEO, which to many people back in 2015 was a mystery, right. and five years later, it still can be a mystery. <laughs> Google does. I mean, that's why we have Chris Langell to help us. Right. So things that help your SEO, which in and of itself, again, right. not a something that we can even devote one episode to. It needs its own podcast. Um, right. but we're not going to be doing that. So we're going to take what I'm going to call the hundred thousand foot view. I mean, this is like basic, basic. So in the book, you talk about linking, blogging, social media, word of mouth, content marketing. What I want to ask you for the loyal listeners out here to hear is if they are just starting an agency or they're now part of an agency who wants to start focusing on lead generation online, what is going to be the first thing that you would say to them that they need to focus on? Is it going to be blogging, video, social media, content marketing, or something else? How should someone who just is starting either off in the agency world um, or starting their own agency and they need to start putting premium on the books, what's the first thing that they should, they should start focusing on?
1: Mm, 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 mm. I'm living this. I don't know if you guys know, I have a friend, his name is Ryan Hanley and he mm-hmm. started an agency and him and I talk very frequently. He calls me usually around three to three Oh five my time. Cause that's when he's picking up his kids around four his time. And it's um. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. So let, let's go high level. Once again, you got to decide personal yeah. lines, commercial lines. That, those are kind of two different things. If you're doing personal lines, I really truly believe in my opinion, picking the client. See, I think about it differently. If I'm non-standard or I'm just, and I really don't care, or maybe I'm just a normal um, and maybe not non-standard, maybe not preferred. I'm just an insurance agent that believes in helping people. I would go some highly lead, uh, lead gen. I would go because man, there's people out there that can just flood your inbox. To me, they might and may not be quality, but to you, maybe you have an uh, automation system that makes that quality. I don't know. Maybe your fees are set up to way it wakes it quality. I don't know. Commercial lines, this is where Hanley is more driven to. Um, I've watched Hanley go through a list of things that I didn't agree with. But I didn't tell him because none of that stuff was going to harm him. And they were things that I had learned that I wanted him to learn, even though I was going to tell him and other people in his life are telling him the same thing. Now, if he says to me, Jason, I think I shouldn't do this and other people are telling me that I shouldn't, what do you think? Yeah, I'm not going to let that happen. But there were things that he did. And what I mean by that, services. There were services that he used that I knew was not what he was telling me he wanted his agency to look at. So number one, what do you want your agency to look at in three to five years? That is who you should be going after to make that look that way. And that person has a way to get to them. To answer a vanilla answer for commercial lines, I think that you should be have outsourcing cold calling. I think cold calling, it sucks. That's why it's great, okay? Because things that suck in life, like broccoli, they are not as good as candy, and candy's good, right? So this is the kind of thing that we're going through here. Also, no one wants to do it. Why cold calling? Because I can have an appointment tomorrow. Now, Legion creates that. Lead gen does create that. Um, you could have appointments tomorrow, but I'm talking commercial lines, and you're not going to find very good commercial lines lead gen out there, other than phone calls. And and I pay um, through Sales Double. I'm not, and they aren't a person in the book. Um, but there's somebody I have used for three and a half years. Um, that's who Hanley is now using. Uh, yeah, I guess he doesn't care me telling this, but anyways, uh, he that's who he's using now, and what they're doing is they're providing him leads that we have a very high closing ratio on. The problem is, and the reason why we're cutting them out of our agency is because we want our producers focused on whales because whales are where the money is. Um, but with that said, with that said, we have written a lot of business with very high closing ratio off of that. So I know for a fact that I have taken new producers. And I'm also advising Hanley with other people. It's just not like I'm his advisor. Many, many people. And we are, and I'm seeing that work. So that's the best answer that I could give you because that's a real life answer that I live every day.
0: Sounds good. I hope that's okay. But you
1: do need to be doing
0: the other stuff. I mean, you really do. Oh, definitely. Definitely. One thing that, um, that you mentioned that made me think about when you are interviewing someone for the podcast, when you ask the questions is... Do you learn more from your failures or your successes? Mm -hmm. So that would be something to, uh, to maybe throw in for future. So, all right, so let's get back to the book. Um, Let's talk about how social media has completely changed from 2015 to 2020. Huge. Nine dead. And do you want to tell the loyal listeners about your, and I hope I'm remembering this correctly, your viral post about you, a bathtub, candles and rose petals.
1: Dude, yes. Okay, well, see, when you talked about my viral post, you just made me think about another viral post that I had, Josh. Okay. Um, let's go to the rose petals, but before I do, I think it was 2011 or 2012. This is when I was okay. so doing just crazy shit. Um, it was on Valentine's Day or the day before Valentine's Day, and I had 7 million Likes I had i'm I'm pretty close fifty thousand shares um, and the question that I proposed was name a band that starts with w. I think that's it, and people just. I mean, I've never seen it. And they just started putting in all these bands. And I remember I went to a soccer practice or base basketball practice. And I came back and I had like a hundred thousand comments. I was like, what the heck? I mean, you could imagine what this would be like. I was like, oh my gosh. And what was the answer? It was wedding band because Uh. it had to do with Valentine's Day. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers, and I said to him, dude. And man, when I'm going to tell you a true story. When I did this, I had to shut my Facebook post down because people were mad saying that I was posting on their wall. This is in 2011 and people, or 2012, somewhere in there. People didn't understand how like sharing worked and how if you shared it, it, it really wasn't on their wall. It was in their newsfeed. Right? We were so ignorant. Um, I, to this day, you can go to the Insurance Alliance, you can go to Facebook reviews and you can go way to the bottom and you will probably see one star reviews. Where people were cussing me out and stuff, and I couldn't get Facebook to remove them. This is a true story. I had to shut down comments, everything, because people were just in there, you son of a beep, beep, beep. And I'm like, wow, seriously. So I totally forgot about that. And then when you said viral video, now my other viral video was was my Valentine's Day, ironically enough, man, I really get some, some, some good stuff around Valentine's Day. Yes, you I do. just now realized that. Um, the other one is Valentine's Day is, I took this from, uh, what was his name? Chris Jordan. Chris Jordan was his name. He was one of the first original. You remember him?
0: I do. He's not in the industry anymore. No, he's
1: not. He works for like uh, Disney or Edward Jones or Coca-Cola, some big place, and he runs a lot of their stuff. He's very successful. Um, He, if you guys don't know Chris Jordan, back in 08, 09, he was the first guy that worked from home and he put his video camera on live 24 art not 24 hours but when he was in the office it was on the whole time and so he'd be sitting there working and people could just pop in through video chat which was like unheard of back then yeah. and they could and they could you could ask him questions and he would look right at the video and answer it it was awesome at the time anyways he did a video where he um did a valentines day video where he was in the tub And he's literally in the tub, candles around the the tub, rose Mm -hmm. petals – you know, and he's talking about how um, it's Valentine's Day and it's a special day for those who um, who are in love because if they finally decide to get married, they can get a discount on their policy because they're married or a multi-car and all that different stuff. And and so when I saw him do that back in 09 or 2010, I said, I'm going to do that one day and I did it. And it was a really, really fun thing to do. My wife had to help me do it. I played Italian music in the back. It was really, really great. And I try to share it every Valentine's Day. I, I absolutely. That was one of my hoops that I really, even today, I can't believe that I did that crap.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was one of the first things I remember about you. Uh, it was, uh, yeah. So loyal listeners, if, if anyone finds that post, uh, go ahead and share it uh, yeah. on the post on, on Facebook or wherever. And at so- the end,
1: it says, let's schedule a date. Here are my digits. And I give them my <laughs> phone number. Sorry. That was pretty
0: creative. It's a good thing, Andrew, married you at such a young age. So, <laughs> All right. So in the book, you go on to talk about LinkedIn and how valuable it can be for commercial lines. And back in 2015, how Facebook was a great way to generate personal lines business. And you were actually known as the Facebook guy. Mm-hmm. That's what everyone yep. t- uh, said about you. Um, so similar to the last question, so for someone who just started an agency, just arrived in their the industry, where should they focus their attention with regards to social media? And let's split it up between, like you've been doing, between commercial and personal lines.
1: Okay. So I have, I know this sounds goofy, I have just discovered this, like seriously, in the last couple months. Instagram is my personal life. That's my family. That's my pictures. I'm not going to impose my beliefs on my business or anything on there. I am That is me and that is my family and that is my personal life. Facebook is where I give my views, where I give my uh, points of view, where I want people to know how to connect with me and and just get to know me and who I am and share other people's stories. That's what I want to use that for. And then LinkedIn is where I go for my business. Um, anything business related, if I have a business thought, if I'm going to put it out there. I put all of my podcasts on the AI side on all those platforms because it's spitting for all of those. But as a personal side, that's what I use. Personal, I would say today that Instagram is the most powerful thing that you have for personal lines, in my opinion. Um, There's just a lot of noise out there, and it seems like you get more caring, loving, devoting. I'm going to even say mothers, that's just me, um, that are really, really focused to be on Instagram. Today, being a personalized person, I would hit on that hardcore. Facebook is also very important. Yes, the people hang out there, but I love the fact, and maybe you can with Instagram, but you can create custom audiences, and those custom audiences allow you to, what we were doing earlier, writing a blog, putting it out there, getting people to click on it. When they click on it, Facebook corrals those people and then allows you to run direct targeted ads to those specific people about maybe something in relation to the ad they originally clicked on or maybe it's something you're actually trying to get them so that you could focus, they can focus on. So there's different things like that that I think is, is huge it's huge. and to be honest with you, you don't have to spend a lot. If you know, if you're willing to um, watch a couple hours of YouTube videos and do it yourself, you don't have to spend more than a couple hundred dollars a month to be effective that way. Um, LinkedIn, I think commercial lines is just where it's at. Their sales navigator the way that um, I'm going to just say it because anybody who watched me in 2012, 2013, I had a rant going for a whole year that I predicted the demise of LinkedIn. I did. No one's called me on that one, Josh, but I did. I I predicted. I said, it's so stupid. I said, I remember I used to say, who's on LinkedIn? Everybody raised their hand. I'd say, what the hell do you do there? And everybody would just laugh because really no one knew. And to be honest with you, people still don't know. And if you really want to know the truth, all it is is bombarded with a bunch of ads. And to me, I think it's a bunch of fake because I think these business people want things to be so positive that it's like, oh yeah, I believe in this and this. And I sometimes think it's almost like a bragging hour for businesses And, and, and everybody has video. There's more video on there in my opinion, and it's video of a way to educate other business owners which I'm sorry for me is boring as crap and I don't know who's watching it. And if I'm an insurance agent and I'm giving my insurance advice on there, on flood or if on cyber, whatever it could possibly be, I don't really think people are on LinkedIn to get that information in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I don't know. I just I just don't see it. And I see a lot of likes and a lot of comments on LinkedIn and I think they're fake because I think people have business motives there. So they comment on what you like so that you get to know them and you'll end up saying, "Man, that person always comments on my stuff. Let me go see who they are." Right? That's the whole point of it. That's what Sales Navigator does for LinkedIn. It allows you to choose the type of people you want and then shows you their conversations so you can get in those conversations and they recognize you so that when you call them, it's not a cold call. That's the premise. So sometimes I don't see that as a legit um, conversation. I believe that Facebook people voice their opinions in ways that may not be congruent or parallel to who they really truly are. I believe LinkedIn is the most, um, the most real. It's the most highlight real, but it's mm-hmm. the most real. Okay, and and that, that's my thought on what to do. I don't know how you want to take that, but take that as personal, no, no, no. Yeah, personal no. and,
0: and one thing that I've always said about LinkedIn, or even as it relates to Facebook, insurance agents really shouldn't connect with other insurance agents. I, I'm, I can almost,
1: yeah it drives me I mean, nuts. Somebody here's here's the thing for all you loyal listeners, if this happens to be you and Josh you can probably agree with me. If somebody out there asks me to like your damn insurance agency's Facebook page one more time, I don't care about your agency's Facebook page in Colorado. And even if you're in the next town of me, I don't care. I don't want to like it. It doesn't have any interest to me. And you're actually depleting. Do you think Facebook doesn't know that you're trying to get other agents to like it because you're trying to get likes and you know other agents will feel sympathetic to you so they'll like your page? You don't think Facebook's not smart enough to know that loyal listeners or whoever you are out there? No, they do. Okay. Yeah. So you're not doing yourself a favor. You're not doing yourself a favor.
0: Thank you, Sorry. thank yeah. you. No, no. I, a long time.
1: God, I, oh minute. no,
0: I've 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 said that for for years. I refuse to, and then also getting invited to every insurance group out there on Facebook. Correct. Just stop. And Just I also stop. want to throw
1: out there, um, Twitter is evil.
0: There you go.
1: Interesting. Twitter is Interesting. very evil. I, I think okay. that, I think it is one of the demises of the American society. Okay, I'll go on.
0: All right. Okay. Well, we'll leave that there. <laughs> All right. So one lead source that you mench- you don't mention is the two, um, but is actually a really big one in the chapter is what you call professional leads, or it might be centers of influence. And there are actually many agencies that have built their entire model on this concept of receiving leads from mortgage brokers, real estate agents, bankers, accountants, et cetera, um, financial planners. You have an agency like Vargas and Vargas Insurance, Carlos Vargas yes. did that. You have GNN Insurance, which are are they still called GNN Insurance? Okay.
1: Yes. Oh, shit. Now you got me. Yeah. I mean, I just had Matt on the podcast. Matt
0: Matt and Zach. Matt and Zach. And and for loyal listeners, you guys know who Matt and Zach are. (laughs) Um, They're extremely successful using this model. Mm -hmm. Now, do you believe that an agency can survive solely on these professional leads, or is it just like everything in life where you have to have multiple quivers uh, or multiple arrows in your quiver? I think that's yeah, that's right. right, that's right. Yeah. Um, where it's the biggest one, but you still need to pair it with organic and paid leads.
1: How far out of the funnel do you want to qualify? So if I decide to take everybody in and I get to the end and I use all my arrows in the quiver to get them to buy, or do mm-hmm. I use my arrows in the quiver to select the ones I want, shoot them, and then bring them into the funnel? Okay. So 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 the reason I say that is is David Cruthers teaches the five tool system. You are five, yeah, five yeah. tools, five tool system. There's five main things that you must do, but he's talking you doing that with a specific person. Right. Remember, I taught mm-hmm. my prospecting thing is 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 huge on the, on different that way. So so when yep. we're talking about that, that is that's kind of what I mean by that. I do believe though that um, yeah, I go to a three million dollar agency and they have twenty five people. I go to a three million dollar revenue agency and they have nineteen people, Josh. I go to a three mm-hmm. million dollar revenue agency and they have twenty two people. And then all of a sudden, I go to a three million dollar revenue agency and they have eight people. Hmm. I start looking around and I see another 3 million dollar revenue and I'm and I'm just using the 3 million as an average but this is pretty much the same and they have 9 people. And I'm thinking to myself, what the heck is going on here? What the difference yeah. is is the where they're using those arrows in the quiver. Because when you decide that you want to take on everybody, you're going to have a lot of service. You can make a lot of money doing this. I got a ton of friends that do but they're using those qu- those arrows at a different stage in the quiver to do it. And what does that mean? That means they're shooting everybody as opposed to those who are using the arrows outside of the funnel are saying, I'm going after a specific person and that's who I'm going to pinpoint and then throw them into the funnel, not shoot them once they're in the funnel, right? And once again, you know, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. That's easy, right? Everybody does it. Try shooting the fish outside the barrel. A shit's tough. That's why we call them whales, right? So that's the best way that I can answer that for you as to if you want to be hyper niche focused, Mm -hmm. you're going to use those arrows at a different place. So those arrows are going to be different than those if you want to just be grabbing everybody and shooting no matter somebody that fogs a mirror.
0: Right. Yeah. And uh, our agency, we've never really done the professional leads because we've always worried about the qualifying process. Because when we looked at our sales funnel, you can't you can't qualify someone and essentially turn them away because they were referred to you and you can damage that relationship. And that referrer
1: never knows the type of client you truly want, even if you educate them. I don't know about you, Josh, but we tried that. We would educate the person. We would literally go in and tell the real estate people, like, this is what we want. Mm -hmm. And number one, they need to get a deal done, so they're going to send you whatever they can. And number two, if they don't send you anything, they feel obligated, even though you tell them, don't feel obligated. So I agree. Control your own leads.
0: Yes, agreed. So- Finishing up, we're going to talk about paid leads, which in my opinion is potentially the least used in our industry because myself, I don't really use paid leads. Um, But I think this is where agents and agency owners need to partner with someone. And for me, my personal recommendation, which we alluded to earlier in the episode, is to hire local traffic marketing, which is owned by a good friend of the podcast, Chris Langell, who also owns Advisor Evolved. And then another company is Made You Look Marketing, and that's another good friend of your podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, Nicholas Ayers. So with both Chris and Nick, they have the knowledge, the processes, the expertise to generate the paid leads that you need. And this is when you, the loyal listener, need to be Raymond Reddington that we talked about in the last episode. You need to have that foundational knowledge, but let Chris and Nick handle things for you. So... That that's just my opinion on on paid leads. Anything you want to add no. to that or anything? Okay.
1: YouTube is the future, and 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 I got to tell you, I mean Nicholas just knocks it out of the park. He's he's fabulous. And Chris Chris is really good. But you know what the thing I just love about Chris? I mean he is good. Don't I? I don't want to discredit this. I trust that guy more than few people that I trust in the world. I really do. Well, let me in the industry. Because I really do know that when I ask Chris something, he's going to tell me, even if it's like, Cass, I know you're not going to like this answer, but this is the way it truly is. He does that to all of us, and I respect that so much in this industry where there are a lot of wolves in sheep clothing.
0: Yes, there are. Yes, there are. So here we go. Final chapter that we're going to be discussing today, chapter 11 converting leads the switch switch. yep uh so you start off telling a story about someone who had heard you speak twice and the impact that you had on him can you tell the loyal listeners about this story about what happened um after you spoke and what this man said to you
1: yeah this is really awesome and all a guy told me after listening to me talk about some of this concept we were talking about two chapters ago about going door to door, being able to reach so many people. I mean, I'm telling you, Josh, over the next like month, I'm going to be copying and pasting these stories into, into, I totally forgot about these dang things. And these are real life right. stories. And well, not, not the one from the 1800s. That was my brain, but this right. is a real one. And I think I was in Idaho or something like that.
0: Were you visiting Brian?
1: No, no, I was in Idaho. I think I was speaking for the independent insurance agents of Idaho. But anyways, I don't know why that just popped my brain. But anyways, so the gentleman says this is the second time he's seen me speak. And now he gets it. He said every day for the last 30 years, I'll go home and I are back to my office after going to a rotary meeting or chamber meeting. And I'm thinking to myself, if I could get everybody in this town to know me, I would sell more insurance. No like and trust, right? I would be able to sell more insurance. And after coming and seeing you now for the second time, I realized that that's what I can do. I realize now what I always wanted to do, technology is going to allow me to do. I just have to get involved and let people know that I care and uh, no one cares how much you know until they know how much they care. And he wants people to know how much he cares. So then they'll want to know what he knows, which is insurance. And that was a really, really big thing for that gentleman to say that to me. That was, that was huge.
0: Yeah. um, That. That's one of my favorite stories again from the book and uh, we move on in the book and you talk about social media and, you know, the old adage that you just said, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. <laughs> is perfect when it comes to social media because, you know, you'll see agents or agencies who just want to sell on price, you know. Call us, we'll, we'll save you 35% or get a quote from us. And that is literally their only Facebook post. You know, you'll go back and look and it's like, what webinar did you listen to? And all of a sudden you decide I'm going to post for a month and then you forget about it. But that's the only thing. Mm-hmm. Now you do then talk about a contest idea, which I think also is related to uh, Valentine's Day. So, you would run this contest back in that you talked about in 2015. um, How you would it would lead up to Valentine's Day, unless I am remembering it incorrectly. Um, It was a 12 day contest, and you would start off and it would. you could either do it semi annually or quarterly, and you would have a prize at the end. Do you remember running any of these contests Whoa. back in 2015?
1: Not in 2015. I do remember running my Facebook contest. That's how I was Mr. Facebook is that I would give yeah. away you if you got a quote from me I would enter you into a contest. And man, dude, okay. I had so many agents that were calling me telling me I was going to be sued. I mean, I was calling the association's lawyers saying, "Hey, can I do this and that?" And at the end of the day, rebating is way over it's too much fear in it because it's not as bad as you want to think and in our state of our everybody's different so please check your independence state. but our state um you can give away items you can even charge policy fees and there is no limit to the amount you can give away and i will just tell you every state says differently here's mm-hmm. what you need to know this is the important part i've talked to so many lawyers i've been down this i'm telling you as long as is not based on them buying and it's open to everybody, you really, you're not going to get in trouble out there. Other than whatever your rebating laws are, nothing more than $25 or something like that. I got so crazy. I put you into a uh, drawing for an iPad, but I also, just for forgetting the quote, I'd give you $25. And wow. Did it work? Yeah, I wrote some business. Once again, what did I do? I attracted people that I did not really want them to be my client. At the time, I didn't care because it was 2012, 2013, 15, whatever. I was doing these very early in the thing and I needed money. Um, So I was able to spend five, eight hundred dollars with the ads and the iPad and be able to turn around and write two to three thousand dollars in revenue. That was really big today. You can't necessarily do that as much today. Um, It would be interesting to run an iPad contest, but it seems like everybody has seven iPads
0: today. That was a big deal back then, right? oh yeah i mean and kindles remember when people would uh what <laughs> kindles do do those even exist anymore I, I
1: i actually saw yes somebody just the other day yeah. posted one and was like oh i'm reading and i'm like wow you have a kindle interesting
0: wow yeah um one other uh, social media that you talked about it was google plus and i wonder how many people remember google plus because back in 2015 it was a huge focus. I mean, Ryan was, Ryan was the Google plus Mm -hmm. guy. Joey was the Google plus guy. And still to this day, I can't believe it failed as miserably as it did. I mean, who, who knows what backroom deal that, you know, Google and Mark Zuckerberg had to, had to make (laughs) um, for that to go away. Um, And then what you said earlier, YouTube and how it is the future and how Nicholas is just crushing it on, on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And then, Pinterest, which even back in 2015 I still didn't get, I and I don't, I don't know if anyone is even using Pinterest in 2020. Um, I would like loyal listeners. If anyone is actually using Pinterest to generate leads, I would like to know that. So comment or email Jason. Let us know because that, that you're you're a rock star. And you will if get you,
1: a, you yeah. will get an immediate guest appearance on the podcast. If you, if you are doing yeah. this, cause I want to hear
0: about it. Yes. Everyone wants to hear about it. All right. Now in your agency, Jason, I know because you guys are so commercial focused and it's probably not, um, as big of a deal anymore, but are you using social media to convert leads if you're not doing it because it's not really the focus of your agency, what would you recommend to someone? Um, to use, how, how to use social media just at a high level to convert leads.
1: Okay. So we don't use them. We just, we just really okay. don't. Um, we use our Facebook and our social sites as branding tools. Um, we, okay. we, we believe in awareness for that. Um, why do I do that? So Josh, hold your question because I need you to remind me because this is important that they know this. I feel as if we neglect social media platforms and it is hurting us. You can be this thing of, oh, don't post unless it's something that you did and it's specific to your, you know, your community or whatever. Absolutely. 100%. But there's a lot of agents that don't do anything in the community and they still need to have something. And that's that's okay. The, the new agent doesn't necessarily always have to be involved in every networking group. Don't fall for that. But yeah. here's what happens. How do you feel? How do you feel when you go to somebody's website and it looks like they haven't done anything in since 2010? or 2005. You think, what? It totally kills the legitimacy of that business. Even though the business could be good and you're going to find out it's good, it is going to kill it. If you go to Google and you really can't find them out there, that's kind of legitimate. Why do we think that social sites are any different? Mm. Most people don't even go to your website, but they go to your Facebook page. They see you post something crazy and they click it and they go see it. And when they go there and they see the last post was in 2013, how do you think that makes them feel? Why all of a sudden is it less legitimate than everything else? That's why if you go to our websites, our Facebook posts at the Insurance Alliance, we have posts out there that are generic. We have some community oriented, but they're always timely. Remember I talked about before with the ad, talk about things that they're talking about. Right now with COVID, yeah, we were talking about COVID, but also we were putting out different posts that here's games that you can play with your kids while you're, while you're doing that. Here's tricky ways to, to, to get your hair color back, right? These little things that were important at, at, that was what was going on. They're all branded to our colors, and you can see that maybe they get one or two likes or maybe less, but it's the stance. I want someone to know that we're dedicated to the posts that we said we would assume. And if we're gonna assume that post of of Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn, we're not just gonna neglect it. We can't sit there and go there in times of emergency and think that we're gonna post and all of a sudden everybody's gonna grasp it. That's not how Facebook works. That's not how society works. You need to be in their life every day so that when that time does come, you now have some kind of authority, and that's what you do. Don't don't put some stuff out there on your social media. I don't care if it's once a week. I don't care if it's once every two weeks. Make sure you got something going on out there. And there's so many people that will do it for $150 or $250 a month. I mean, come on, what is that? You're an insurance agency owner. We have money. So, so sorry about that. Okay. So, Josh, I'm sorry. Go what what was your question?
0: Well, yeah, no, I mean, well, what you're just saying it goes back to chapter three, which is customer experience, not customer service, and how you talk about consistency. Um, so, so it, it's consistency. It's not just what is the the hot item mm-hmm. of the day. Um, but the question was, um, what would you recommend to the loyal listener? How should they use social media to help convert? personal lines and commercial lines. Yeah, you
1: should write a blog about things that are timely and then you should tie a Facebook ad directly to that. Make sure you have some kind of lead capture form. If you put in there, are you worried about the the condition of your roof and you write a blog on that, just made that up, okay? And you get Mm -hmm. 15 people that click on that after you run an ad and a thousand people see it and 15 people actually click on the ad. I'm willing to bet those people probably need new roofs. Mm -hmm. Now, some of them are probably insurance agents or some of them are probably roofers, but it doesn't matter. Now what you can do is you've captured those people and you can redirect them with more material that maybe can be, here's the best place to find roofs, right? Or here are the yep. best contractors that do roofs. Here's the best insurance companies that make roofs, right? Those, those different types of things. So you can do that type of stuff, requires little money, and you can get some pretty quick action on those type of things. Um, that, that is uh, specifically what I would do. And then if you're on commercial lines, I would be using Sales Navigator.
0: And, yeah. And for those of you, if that overwhelms you with the thought of trying to do that yourself, hire local traffic marketing and they will take care of it for you. All right. So the next thing that you talk about, which is my favorite way to convert leads, what I focused on, which is content creation. And to me, content marketing, either as a blog or a vlog is the best way mm-hmm. because it's content that as you say in the book, is a 24-7, 365 salesperson. I got
1: that from Ryan Hanlon.
0: Yep, they don't go to sleep. They know Colin's sick. They're always there for you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I still have blogs that I wrote back in 2015 that still generate leads for us on a weekly basis. Weekly. Yeah, it's just so... And, and, to, and as much as I have talked about how you need to hire someone to do things for you, to me, this is one of the areas that you either need to do it yourself or you need to have someone who is in your agency or understands things and do it for you. Don't hire necessarily Ghost writer to take care of those things mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Uh, and so finishing up in the chapter, because it's it's almost done, you talk about email marketing, landing pages, and rating systems, which still plays a vital role. But do you think that in 2020, that email marketing, landing pages, and rating systems are as important in 2020 as they were in 2015, or have we moved away from those as being as important as they used to be? I bring him up a
1: lot because you guys know the listeners. I talk about him all the time, but right now, once again, I'm going through this with Ryan Hanley. And this is not mm-hmm. my advice to him. This is something that he did and it is proving uh, results. So Ryan Hanley has this program. I don't know what it is. He makes landing pages. He can make 79 of them in five minutes, I swear. And they're really, really good. And whenever he does it, he has the landing page that you click to that you go to this video that he has created about workers' compensation. And then if you like it, you put your stuff in and you're going to now get put into his email marketing, but also you can click and he'll call you. Um, That works very, very well. And then for the small commercial business, if they want a certain type, like depending on the landing page they go to, they could maybe be converted right into Tarmica or a commercial lines rating system that then does the rate and automatically pre-populates that in the quote in the uh, management system. And so when you're doing this, now you've got somebody who's out there. You wrote that 24-7 piece of insurance. It's three in the morning. The person clicks on the landing page. They put their information in. Boom, their information gets converted over to a, a rater. They get a rate. Excuse me. They get a rate and they can either um, buy right there or not. We haven't exactly got to that point yet of where they can actually bind um, an Mm -hmm. issue. But at that point in time, they've got the quote. Ryan knows all this stuff that's going on. He's seen how it goes and he can reach out immediately sometimes when they're in the middle of the process. So do those still work? Absolutely they do. And I would even say that you're going to see that process I just talked about. You're going to see that multiplied by 100 over the next two to four years. That's the way that we're going to have to write. I think we talked about it one or two podcasts ago, how we're going to efficiently write commercial lines. Small business is how we're going
0: to do it. Yeah. And what would be interesting that we talked about in the last episode is how with Amazon, you buy something they recommend. That was good. So- yeah. So how? So with this model, you can do the same thing. Someone co- goes on there to get a GL policy, and you say, "Oh, businesses just like you also get workers' compensation." Go to this landing page, mm-hmm. and then you just double the number of policies Absolutely. that you're going to write for that person. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Uh, good stuff today. Anything that you, uh, want to leave the loyal listeners with before we sign off?
1: Um, no, I mean, I'm really, really glad that we're doing this. If you want to go to my website and you go to uh, we have it actually in a terrible spot, but it's that way because the way we run some of our, um, ads, or I should say the way we used to, if you go to the insurancealliance.com You'll notice how beautiful all my websites are for all my locations and for all my businesses because, um, well, except for AI, um, but that's uh, Chris Jill that does all that. Chris is so good and so hyper-focused to what he does. He wouldn't even do my AI because he said, Cass, I stay focused and true to insurance agents. I said, okay, man, I was even going to pay him, but that's just how good he is. Now, I want you to go there and go to, I think, products and then go to business products and then go to the bottom and go, I think it says, get a quote there. And when you get a quote there, you're going to click and it's going to take you to a rating platform um, that's given to us by Hiscox. And uh, we can write 400 classes of business. We've We've had this thing for two years. It's literally done nothing, even when we ran ads. In the last seven to eight months, we have... Quoted and written three policies on there to sound funny. I was having so much pro- so many problems, Josh, trying mm-hmm. to get agency intelligence quoted because obviously it's a podcast. I'm speaking my mind. All this stuff that we're doing here, insurance companies scared to death of it. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I just went onto my own website. I went and cl- and bought my professional liability, my general liability, um, and my property on my own website. Paid for it on my own website with my own money for agency intelligence. So it was the easiest damn thing. I told Travis, I said, no wonder we've gotten three quotes that we've sold, because people can literally go there, put in three pieces of uh, three pages of information, very small, get a quote, bind it, and pay for it. That, folks, if that scares you, you need to make sure you got enough in the IRA. You might want to start selling now before your digital ecosystem gets worse and worse. And as mine gets better and better and the valuation of your two times becomes one and a half. I'm telling you right now, that is the way people want to do business. It was easy for me. How many people, I'm going to tell you this right now. If we have somebody that calls me and says, hey, I want to do social media um, and we need to get a general liability and professional liability, I'm immediately sending them there. I mean, I'm not, yeah. not going to waste my time doing this. Not only that, I get 10% commission. And you know what the beautiful part is? I get 10% new business and renewal commission, and they service it.
0: I was going to say no service. No
1: service. I mean, it's yeah. beautiful. You know, it's absolutely beautiful. Anyways, so I want us to all keep in mind that some of the stuff we did still works and some of the stuff that we did doesn't work and i but what's amazing is is a lot of those things that didn't work it's just that we just tweaked it a little bit and it worked why did we tweak it because society changed things change platforms change one of the things that i don't think we talked about here which uh i don't really know i guess i could go on a limb and say it's gonna be something but it's got something is TikTok. It's the stupidest damn platform in the world, but oh my gosh, I get addicted to it. If you've ever went to it, there's no way you can just sit there and watch like one or two videos.
0: Oh, I had to, I had to delete it. Uh, yeah, I, I, would, know, yeah. I know. You I go down, you go down a TikTok rabbit hole, and you're just like, <laughs> what just happened? So,
1: but they're so they they are so fun though, and so um, so so I think TikTok. You can't deny something that the young people like. We made that mistake in 2012 with Snapchat. Snapchat mm-hmm. is the most is the coolest in my opinion platform. I don't even use it, but I watch my son use it. It is so unlike Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. It's like it's like a totally different thing, you know? And it's so really nice. So what are those other things that are coming? Don't be scared. If you go on TikTok right now and you do the stupidest video you ever thought possible, you'll get 50,000 likes and a million views. And it's just funny to see what people are doing and what they're looking. I'm wondering and hoping that these kids understand there's going to come a time in life that they can't do that as much. You know, they can't yeah. just sit around and watch that stuff. So anyways, appreciate you, Josh. Can't wait for the next one. And the next one's going to be good because we're going to end it out. But also, Josh, we have to be real. I mean, there might be one after that because we're going to have to talk about the great separator. The great separator, everybody, is the part two of this book that I don't know if I'll ever get done, Josh, because I'm telling you the God's honest truth. The the world keeps changing so quick. It does. And I want to end with this. You guys are going to be so excited by the time you hear the end of this, some of the stuff that's happening with Neon right now. It's mind blowing what's happening with Neon. I just got some more good news yesterday that elevated Neon to a different level. I'm excited for everybody to be a part of it very, very soon. Josh, thanks for what you do. And I hope I'm explaining this book to you well.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, thanks again. And to you, the loyal listeners, remember to be safe, be healthy and love everyone. This has been Josh Lipstone with Explain This Book to Me.